Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Coomer, in a week where no news is great news, that means it's uh, it's the Bearcat football basketball offseason, so it doesn't matter. It's a great time to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. Indeed it is. Hummer, for the third consecutive week, we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the councilman, Joe Barnett of RepublicofCincinnati.com. Joe, thanks for joining us on the podcast again, buddy. Anytime. Happy to be here. Well, we've got a position to preview this week, as we've been doing now for, for two weeks straight. If you go back in the archives, you can see that we've spoken to Joe about quarterback. We've spoken to Joe about the cornerback position. And today we'll be speaking about tight ends later. Before we get into that, Joe, any news from the past week that you think is worth highlighting uh, for the people listening in today? Well, uh, it was another weekend of official visits for the football team, and the Bearcats did get a commitment today from Coleraine High School cornerback Ken Willis, who camped with the team earlier this week, got an offer, I think, on Wednesday came on an official visit and pulled the trigger hometown hero. I love it. Anytime we're adding more hometown heroes to the mix, uh, gives me those warm and fuzzies, uh, inside my, inside my belly. Where the, where the warm and fuzzies coming from? Is that a belly feeling? It is deep inside your heart. In my heart, when it comes to Bearcat football, it's not appropriate where the warm and fuzzies are for me. So, <laughs> Well, that's exciting. Uh, it's pretty, it's, you know, a long line of hometown heroes that Luke Fickle has built this program on and uh, to, to much success. So that's exciting for the team. When it comes to this kind of week of official visits, uh, what can you tell us about that in terms of, of, of what the program's trying to accomplish, how many recruits they're getting on campus, the types of recruits they're getting on campus? How does that play out for a program like Cincinnati? Official visits, uh, and we're kind of in a, a weird period, obviously, because last year there were none. Uh, but you're seeing a lot of the guys come onto campus that had actually verbally committed to the program over the past year. So you're seeing a lot of those guys come onto campus and then targeting the the rest of the guys they want to round out their class. So sounds like they come in and have dinner with the Fickle family and then hang out on campus on Saturday, do a photo shoot. So if you look around on Twitter and Instagram, you can see a lot of those guys posting pictures. They're, they're usually pretty cool. Uh, I know there's quite a few guys um, like uh, Kayshawn Sapp. He's a four-star offensive lineman from Georgia. He was asking for Bearcats Nation to show him some love. So <laughs> check it out. smash that like button and let's show him what Bearcat Nation's about. Those photos like were really cool, and I like the stories that were coming out about the the official visit to uh, what are they calling? It? Is it is it Fickle's Castle? Uh, you know castle. the Fickle Lair. I mean, like he has a he has a lair that's fit for like the the good evil villain. You know, like a, a full size basketball court inside of a barn with a basketball court outside. Like, is he a football coach or a basketball coach? He is a fun coach. 
I guess there's uh I guess he has like wrestling mats in there too, and he can set up volley a volleyball court and all kinds of stuff. So uh Mont Fickle sounds like a pretty cool place to spend a Friday evening if you're a uh 17 to 18 year old kid. I like the idea of wrestling mats being pulled out. It's kind of like Luke Fickle's version of boxing gloves. If we're having beef within the family, we're not gonna have any passive aggressiveness here. We're gonna pull out the wrestling mats mats and settle this like men we're gonna you know <laughs> i just thinking of always sunny in philadelphia which i think of the scene way too often but pop our shirt pop our shirts off and uh hit the mats and, and settle this dispute old the old-fashioned way i was gonna say i i can't imagine go up against dad the mats i feel oh, like he just put you down quick so i was watching i think it was friday Maybe Thursday. I don't remember. I was getting ready to do doing something, but I had a Luke Fickle, like a 22-minute, pretty hastily put-together documentary on Luke Fickle. Uh, it was done right after the Peach Bowl season here. And, you know, learned some interesting th- – I want to say learned them kind of – you know, you already knew about his history with Ohio State being on defense and everything. Luke Fickle used to have no neck. Like, dude was yoked. Like, I would not want to go on a wrestling mat against Luke Fickle. I bet I bet he still I bet he still holds that power in his in his lower legs. I bet I bet he without a doubt. Luke Fickle, you know, if you're having the college football head coach, you know, wrestling tournament or even just UFC cage match tournament, our guy's gotta be top five, right? Like I can't I can't imagine there's five guys I'd rather have wrestling for me or or fighting for me than Luke Fickle in terms of college head football coaches. That is what it is. The other, the only other thing I would like to to get us back on the football track is I did find it um, the Pac-12's comments very interesting regarding, you know, wanting to make sure that the the autonomous five get get a lock in the playoffs that they're guaranteed a spot no matter what. Um, is that just admitting that they're actually scared of getting jumped by, you know, not only a, an AAC school but potentially a, a MAC or a Sun Belt or a WAC? That that comes from a place of fear, a hundred percent. Deep, deep, deep insecurity. Um, I think they were the only Power Five conference to actually request that, if I remember correctly. That the Pac-12, they're the only ones that are so unsure of themselves, so worried about their footing in terms of their standing in college football that they they need that guarantee. And and Aresco is already speaking up and saying that that's a step in the wrong direction. And I think we all know and, and agree that that's true. You could tell the Pac-12 was scared last year when they had USC kick off a home game at 9 a.m. local time last year. Like, <laughs> you're going to make these kids play and fans come to a football game at 9 a.m. local time just so you can be, have that big noon Saturday Fox game. Yeah, Get the out of here. You know, it's interesting because like I was reading out like some of the comments that I, I saw on the interwebs were basically saying stuff along the lines of, well, it's not fair. You know, we're in the West Coast. It's not fair because we're at a disadvantage to the East Coast. So I was like, well, I would actually challenge your school of thought there because you can have some freaking primetime games at eight o'clock that are, at you know, like it's better. Like the East, the West Coast schedule, like it's awesome. Like you everybody on the west coast gets to watch all the east coast games and the west coast and not have to stay up till 11 o'clock at night to watch it when their teams were good see pete carroll usc 
they had no problems getting lots of coverage, lots of That's hype, true. lots of recognition for their product. When your teams suck, they don't get the same recognition and they're in jeopardy of, of losing college football playoff spots to the likes of Cincinnati, coastal Carolina, and so on and so forth. I mean, you, they've got to get better and, and put better products on the field. I agree. They're scared. They're running scared. Let them because at the end of the day, we talked about this last week. The, the, a, the AAC isn't that far off from the pac 12 to begin with from a, at where it currently stands, I think from a talent perspective, from top to bottom of the conference. And no matter how they do this playoff situation, it's only going to raise the profile of the American athletic conference. And, you know, TV contracts are going to come up. Realignment's going to happen. However it does, you know, but say the status quo stays the same. There's conference realignment. I think the, the American athletic would be in line for a really nice payday uh, because of the pro because they're going to get a spot in the playoff just about every year. So they should be scared. I, I mean, I'm kind of glad they're acknowledging that they're a little scared. I feel like you got the SEC probably laughing at them, being like, yes, we want you guys to have as few teams as possible. We would love for you to get knocked out and have no one else in your conference because then it opens up two more spots for us in the SEC. The SEC is thinking, <laughs> you're worried about one spot. Well, we're out here trying to get four peasants. Yeah, the SEC is out here playing chess while the Pac-12 is playing checkers. <laughs> the Pac-12 is playing shoots and ladders. They're 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 playing with they're playing with crowns. Let's be real. All right, they're playing with crowns. Toxic free ones. Uh, I only play with lead-based crowns. We can tell them. Let's uh, let's transition to some Bearcats football talk. Let's there's supposed talk. to be these power lines outside my window. Like, what's what's going on here? <laughs> Let's talk about some uh, the tight end position, which is a position that is as I would say tight ends are to Bearcats football as power forwards have become to Bearcats basketball, where the amount of the the quality of talent, the type of player, the amount of professionals we're putting in the ranks, um, it has become the staple of our football program. And Joe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know when you when you think about uh, the fact that we've had Brent Selleck. We've had Travis Kelsey. We've had uh, Josiah Degara. And uh, I think we're going to have many more to come after that. And you can correct me about it or add on a few more. But uh, this is a high-quality position, one that's starting to have a bit of a legacy with the Bearcats football program. And there's no shortage of talent this year based on the article you posted on republicacincinnati.com today. Uh Let's let's kind of talk high level here about the tight end position with the Bearcats football program. Joe, what are your thoughts? Well, Cincinnati has definitely cemented its place as tight end to uh, after going Selleck to Kelsey. Then you hire tight end aficionado Mike Denbrock, make him your offensive coordinator. Denbrock had Tyler Eifert and Kyle Rudolph at Notre Dame. and we're just going to keep churning them out. You know, we're going to have Josh Wiley is going to be in the NFL, hopefully not until after next season, but pretty likely he's there this year. And then you've got other guys. You've got Leonard Taylor and then a whole chock full of recruits and uh, guys that haven't really had an opportunity to see the field yet behind them that can continue that legacy. 
So there is one guy I didn't mention as a tight end and because it's because he was not drafted as a tight end, but I'm was Connor Barwin actually recruited as a tight end out of Michigan. I I have no idea. Okay. To be honest. I, I thought I remembered Barwin getting recruited as a tight end. And so for that reason and that reason alone, his origin story is that position. I feel like we, we can kind he was of sort drafted, of I think as a defense, him. he was drafted as a defensive end. No, no, he was drafted as a defensive player, clearly, but I'm talking about being recruited to Cincinnati as a tight end. I, I believe that was the case. So I always so, thought he was recruited as a basketball player. I did too. <laughs> based on the game, based against his performance against Greg Oden. Uh, yeah. I, I would agree. Well, let's talk about this year's team. I think it's pretty obvious that the uh, the first guy we need to start off talking about when it comes to the tight end position uh, is, is a man that you just alluded to, and that's Josh Wiley. Um, high expectations. I think he's, he's one of these guys where his talent, his athleticism, his size jumps off the page. It jumps off the screen. It stands out when you're, when you see him in person, he moves extremely well for such a large person. Um, but last season is the first year where we really got to see that production actually follow, uh, the athleticism and the profile. So in terms of what Josh Wiley was able to accomplish last season, Joe, um, how, how does that play into what the Bearcats strategy will be for utilizing him this coming season? I think Josh Wiley is going to have another huge year. Um, you know, he had like 350 yards last year, six touchdowns. I look for him to get heavy, heavy usage in the red zone. Um, I was looking back historically at tight ends and generally there's only four or five tight ends in the top hundred receiving leaders in the NCAA. And that goes to about 700 yards. So if Wiley had a 700 yard season, that would be huge. Um, but we've got another guy behind him and Leonard Taylor that I think is going to eat up some of those yards, but I think Wiley's going to probably have around 600 yards and seven touchdowns this year. I think he'll top last year's touchdown total. That'll put him up to 13. And I think the the sky is really the limit for him. I mean, I think he could really have a breakout year, but we're so stacked at receiver and running back. We, we're not going to have to rely on him 100% like some of those other teams do. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the Bearcats are set up to really have to force feed any one of their skill position players, right? I think the the skill position player with the the highest likelihood of getting featured in terms of touches, in terms of, you know, far exceeding expectations would be probably Jerome Ford, in my opinion. And we'll get to him when we talk about running backs in the future. Um, but at the tight end position, when you look at Wiley's profile, his skill set, his size, the way he can be a threat in the red zone, I do wonder if this is someone that you could, has an outside shot at getting, for example, 10 touchdowns, especially when you consider the type of competition we're playing in conference, um, the type of beatdowns we may put on teams. You know, is he someone that could end up seeing double-digit touchdowns as well as increased yardage with a few more looks this coming season? Yeah, I think I think 10 is certainly within the realm of possibility. It it's really going to depend on how big of a year Leonard Taylor is going to have. Because I think you're going to see both of them on the field a lot together, uh, with Leonard being kind of the more inline blocking type tight end. And Wiley kind of being that outside guy. So, yeah, 10, 10 touchdowns would mean we're in real good shape 
uh, heading into the postseason. So in your article, you described Denbrock's desire to have a tight end play as a sort of, quote, K position. And it sounds like that name may have even even started with Kansas City Chief Travis Kelsey because of his ability to play in the backfield, line up outside as a receiver or play next to the tackle. Um, Is Wiley someone that can do this consistently? Is he someone that has that type of versatility that would – that would kind of fall in line with the the likes of Travis Kelsey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, I was watching some highlights of the UCF game, and they even pull him back into the backfield as like a lead blocker type player. So as like an H back. So Wiley can definitely block um, effectively, but you're getting the most out of them when he's out running routes and creating mismatches with the defense. For sure. Do you think in terms of being evaluated as a professional, you know, NFL player or, you know, a pro NFL prospect is the biggest question teams are going to have about him is his ability to hold up in the run game, protect and and block. Is that something that there's questions out there about him? Because I, I find that when you have a tight end, who's known for their, their skill in terms of catching the ball, running routes. um, I imagine Kelsey had these same questions asked about him where like, is he, can they hold up as an elite, pass blocker or run blocker. Yeah. I mean, I think those question marks will definitely stay in there, especially uh, since Wiley's only played one actual season for the most part. So he's going to have to play a lot this season and, and hold up. And if he, if he stays healthy all year, I think a lot of those question marks go away. Well, the next the next guy you talked about on the depth chart is someone that we grew familiar with last season because I thought that his production actually exceeded what my what my memory told me it was. But uh, Lenny Taylor from Springfield High School, another guy I think is going to be on the field quite a bit in two tight end sets. Um, it, in terms of how his skill set matches up with Wiley, is he the same type of player, or is it actually someone who has a, a complements Wiley in terms of what he does well on the football field? I think he's a great complimentary player and you're starting to see the recruiting for the tight end position show where they go after a taller, more athletic type guy, as well as a more of a run blocking, but guy with hands and Lenny's definitely that blocking type powerhouse type of tight end. And he just runs guys over. He doesn't have quite the finesse that Wiley has uh, running routes, but he did have a touchdown last year. And uh, I think he had almost 200 yards. So he he got featured pretty heavily against UCF last year and looked the part. So I think he's a great complimentary player he's on the field. They're both a huge mismatch for defenses. When you add in the other skill positions, it's going to be really hard to decide who you're going to try and cover each play. I think what folks are going to find as we continue to do these positional previews, especially on the offensive side, I mean, it's not like there's going to be any shortage of talent or depth defensively, but offensively, I feel like last season it was a bit of the Des Ritter show. And then you've got the a clear supporting cast with not a lot of big names behind him. It feels like this coming season, and it's probably going to continue to snowball going forward into 22, 23, 24. We're getting higher tight, higher level talent in terms of the skill position players around Ritter, which is going to make the team more explosive and have that much more upside in terms of beating top flight competition like Notre Dame or like Indiana 
uh, whoever we may face off against in the in the college football playoff. Yeah, much like uh, wide receiver last season, I think the tight end position until last year was was still in question as well uh, because Leonard Taylor hadn't broken out yet and Josh Wiley had barely seen the field. But when Wiley finally got on the field, he was as good as advertised. So um, those questions kind of have solved themselves over time. And now it's feeling like we're pretty well stacked. So one thing that I did want to ask you about was sort of the next generation, right? With with uh, Wiley and Taylor sort of holding down probably a majority of the snaps at the position in terms of who's coming up in the pipeline. Is there another player in the mold of a Travis Kelsey or a Josh Wiley? And that's not to say I'm expecting multiple, you know, all pro tight ends on a roster, but in terms of being having being a skilled pass catcher, athletic, big um, are there next generation type players on the depth chart for the Bearcats at this position? We haven't had the opportunity to see a lot of these guys yet, but if I had to pick one guy that I think could be like the next big thing at the tight end position, it'd be Shimon Mateer from Florida. He's a, he'll be a freshman this year. Uh, basketball star played tight end in high school, explosive. Uh, I think he's going to be the real deal. And you'll probably see him probably not this year, but next year he'll probably get some he- pretty heavy play. And that's not to knock the other guys on the roster. Um, Peyton Singletary and Caleb Schmitz uh, were guys that came in last season, but we haven't had the opportunity to see him because this tight end group's just been so stout. Yeah. I was going to say Peyton Singletary kind of stands out. If you look at his background in my eyes, you know, once again, you get another, He's a little on the shorter side, I guess, for a for a six four four athlete, but he still has the the size. Uh, but he also was a you know a pass catching uh, tight end in high school. You know, so I definitely think that we we have plenty of depth that's going to be coming out of the tight end position. You know, God forbid we don't want anybody getting hurt, but I think we're, I think we're looking pretty from a depth perspective at tight end. Yeah, the the only guy on the roster um, that's actually had any college experience that I think we might see this season would be Noah Davis. He was a transfer from Michigan State uh, last year. I think he actually walked on. So I think there's some potential that he may see the field, but I I don't know a whole lot about him. He he's kind of been riddled with injuries, but you know he may come here and spend some time with Brady and be ready to go. One thing I was thinking about with regard to this position and the unique talent that is Josh Wiley is how replaceable he would be. And I feel like I find myself thinking that way in football more than other sports because of the nature of the game, because of the fact that that injuries seem to play a part in it more often than not. You know, from my perspective, in terms of who's the least replaceable on the team, I think the conversation starts with Des. Other folks may disagree, but Josh Wiley does feel like one of the least replaceable players. I know, I know Lenny Taylor is someone who's a solid player, can catch passes, does a good job in the block in terms of blocking. But in terms of what the unique skill set that Wiley brings to the table, is he someone that might be one of the most important players to the Bearcats this coming season? I think he's an absolute game changer when he's on the field. 
And the Bearcats have been using that run pass option play where the tight end goes in motion in front of the quarterback. And you, you saw it mostly with Wiley, but Leonard Taylor took advantage of it a couple times as well. But having a guy with the the route running and the speed of Wiley, it's going to be tough to replace. Um, I think if anything were to happen, we'd be in great hands with Lenny Taylor, and they'd sure they'd find the next man up. But we're going to want Wiley on the field. He's he's special. I mean, he he has that high end talent. He could be one of those guys that leaves as a junior and gets drafted early. So we better enjoy him while we got him. And it's such a luxury too for a quarterback like Des to have like that outlet in terms of the types of routes he's running. The fact that we know that maybe Des's weakness as a quarterback is his downfield throwing. Well, if he's going to you know thrive in the short and intermediate game, that's where Wiley's going to eat. So I feel like, you know, this is clearly going to be an incredibly important player in terms of allowing the Bearcats to maximize their upside long-term and, and this season reaching the, the goals and expectations we have. Um, so, you know, look, he's on the field now. I'm planning on seeing him all season in terms of just thinking about, you know, who are some of the most important players on this team. It does seem like that Josh Wiley has a chance to be a, a very, very special player for this team this season. Uh, I 100% agree. And I, I hope he exceeds my expectations for this year. And I, and I think he will. Right. I think if, if all goes well and if, if Josh Wiley breaks out, if the talent, if the talent takes the production up another level this season, it unfortunately it would be great for Wiley. It would be great for the team. It may mean that it might be his last year in red and black. Yeah. I, I think with, uh, with the new, the new offenses in the NFL, you see, a big pass catching tight end being extremely desirable. So it, it might be there for him next year, but everybody wants will tell. everybody wants what the Kansas City Chiefs have. Um yeah. go ahead, Hunter. At the end of the day, if we get if we get guys leaving after their junior year to go to the NFL draft, um I'm here for it. Okay. I am all here for it. Give me more guys that are going to leave for the draft in their junior year, but give me more of them. All right. I'll take all of them. Um, that is like, it's as bad as, you know, it would be from a, from a, you know, from a us perspective, I actually think it's, it's better for us if he were to get drafted into his, after his junior season, cause it's just going to elevate further. What improve what, what Luke Fickle is doing is the real deal down here and that it's sustainable and that kids can come here and get drafted early, not just get drafted, not just get on NFL rosters, but get drafted after your junior season while playing for important playoff positions, championships. So I'm all for it. Give me, give me everybody. Everybody wants to, who wants to go to the NFL their junior, after your junior year, come to Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, Papa Fickle can take care of you. <laughs> I think wasn't James Hudson, uh, the first early entry player to be selected for the Bearcats. Yeah. Cause That's Mike exactly. Warren declared, but didn't get drafted. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So um, new trend. We could have seen that more often. You do hate to see it with Hudson. You do hate to see it. I did hate to see that for sure. Um, well, on that note, I feel like we've covered the position. Are there any last thoughts either of you have about the position, the players, um, anything for this coming season we should touch on when it comes to the tight end position? 
I think I think we hit it pretty good. I mean, expectations are high, and you know we've got a little bit of depth, but there there may be some question marks beyond the first two. But well, until and- Fickle and company prove otherwise, we're ready for the next step up. So. Uh, maybe one way I should have phrased this question was I, I maybe I should have asked you both of you, you know, I look at the statistics that Wiley had last season and yes, they're impressive. And obviously Joe, in your article, you're making a prediction to see him, you know, potentially touching, I think it was 700 yards and seven touchdowns. That would mean that he's being a feature player in the offense. I mean, should when Denbrock is thinking about how to run this offense and, and who to feature, Wiley, like, does the conversation start with Wiley? Is that where, are we building it around him? Is he that kind of player where we need to actually think about really running this entire thing through him and making him a featured feature player for the offense more so than he was last season? I think that with the talent we have at wide receiver, it's going to be really hard to cover Wiley. So he may not be the first option on some of the plays that Denbrock calls, but he's probably going to be the check down every time. So he's always going to be an option for Des to throw to, and he's probably going to get, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Or sell out the run to try and stop Jerome Ford. Josh Wiley's going to be sitting there behind the linebackers ready to go. Yeah, the more I think about it, I, I like the idea of, of of Wiley being that option one A or one B all season long. I mean, I just think his his talent is so unique. He's so big, so fluid, and is uh is right his his route tree is in the wheelhouse of Des Ritter. So it just feels like a match made in heaven. It feels like a way to really get Des thriving from a passing standpoint and you know, I have no doubt that he's going to play a major role based on the talent alone. And he, he was a big, he played a big role last season. I think it really could be a national breakout uh, for Josh Wiley. Not to mention too, his catch radius is pretty insane. So if, if Des gets the ball anywhere near him, he's probably going to catch it. For sure. For sure. Well, let's leave it there. Um, I know Hummer is a bit exasperated because his beloved Philadelphia 76ers are in a game seven slog against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, slog. They're about, I think they're going to get slaughtered in the fourth quarter here. Anyway, we've kept you too long. Joe, you can find Joe Barnett, the councilman's work on republicofcincinnati.com. Every Sunday, it seems, is, is kind of your post day, Joe. Uh, you can find all of his work under Joe's takes on RepublicaCincinnati.com. Go check out the tight end article. Lots to be excited about. Joe, we are very appreciative of your football expertise on this podcast. I think it's people got great feedback about it. Uh, really appreciate you sharing your, your insights here with us. You can also follow Joe on Twitter at DJ Barnett, B-A-R-N-E-T-T. Joe Hummer. Appreciate you both guys. Uh, we appreciate the both of you guys. And uh, next week, let's throw out a teaser. What position group might we be shifting to next week, Joe? I think we're going to be talking about some pretty big guys that are going to have some power in the Bearcats defense. I like it. I think I see where this is heading. Looking forward to it. Let's go enjoy the fourth quarter. Joe and Hummer, we will talk to you next week. Have a good one, boys.
We're talking about we're talking about kickers. Do kickers count as defense? Okay. <laughs> well, no, no, because it sets up our defense, right? So they have they could be big guys that have an impact on the defense. We're actually going to talk <laughs> about the rake next week, Mason Fletcher. <laughs> In, in terms of Beautiful. position groups that are locked up, that makes a lot of sense. Joe and Hummer, cheers, boys. We'll talk to you next week.